O warm greetings from the forest refuge. I'd like to dedicate today's reflections in honour of Earth Day, which is celebrated this week, with the wish that our practice support our capacity to act in ways that care for and protect this beautiful planet and with all its life forms and This includes us. So the theme I'd like to explore a bit with you this morning is it's one of the, the wisdom themes of impermanence, change, and Nietzsche. instability, uncertainty, so I really encourage and invite you um, yeah, to listen in that grounded, spacious way, sense of really giving yourself time to, to be here, to settle a little And allow the teachings and reflections to be heard, be received. Some sense of the impermanence of this, this talk, this offering. It's happening, it's changing. As you're listening... So, I want to begin by just inviting you to just check in with your experience just for a little while. Um, Perhaps feeling your body resting wherever it is, contact with the floor or chair or cushion or wherever you are, just... Resting on the ground, on the earth. Just taking a few moments. How am I? How are you? What? When you ask that question, what do you notice? In your body, in your mind, in your heart.
And with the real encouragement to see if it's possible to have a sense of friendliness or welcome. Okay. Allowing. And then if you if you wish you might note or name to yourself quietly in your mind. You know, either with a word, you know, what you can feel or what you're aware of, or if it has no word, just touching it gently with the attention, saying hello. Whatever you are. Maybe you notice agitation or tightness or calm, calmness or confusion. Feeling into the body, into the heart. the flutter of energies, flutter of flicker of thought. And then just just again for a little while, just to see what happens, the suggestion of just allowing whatever we're experiencing in to be ing, to be happening. It's another thing. <laughs> Tightening is happening. Calming. Anxietying. Breathing. So just, if you wish, just noticing. And just seeing what it's like to just very gently, lightly, a sense of whatever is being experienced is happening, not a thing. So as I continue with the reflections, I really 
encourage you to feel free if you wish to just hold lightly hold this in mind a sense of process or experience happening and um, yeah as we explore and as you probably know from your experience and maybe experience just now I don't know so something something is different something shifts maybe even very very microscopically something shifts when we see through that lens of impermanence look deeply into our experience or as deeply as we can right now it doesn't have to be deep (laughs) but it has to be mm, yeah some willingness or interest to see in that way to notice without having fixed anything or There's a sense of a slightly different relationship to the unfolding. So this this um, perception or understanding of impermanence can be cultivated in so many different ways. And of course, it arises naturally in the flow of practice, doesn't it? You've had, I certainly have those moments of waking up to the fact or the truth of impermanence, the very direct, intimate perception of that, sometimes quite shockingly and sometimes quite creepingly. It's like, a, like the dawn gradually happening. Oh... Ah, and um, the Buddha speaks again and again in so many different ways about the importance and the power of this as a, a reflection, as a meditation, as a a fruit, as a result of practice. It's this understanding being very key to the liberation of the heart, the mind from clinging and grasping and pushing away and stressing and struggling with, it seems at times, everything or anything. And, And so just a sense of a part of that Happening is this thingifying, this solidifying of of moments. And this is very natural, isn't it? Very, I guess we all do it, except maybe a few people. Um, our hunts, people's minds are fully, fully open, fully awake, fully released. Uh, so, yeah. My friend and teacher, Martine Bachelot, sometimes talk about retreat as being a, a, for de-grasping, like 
That's where we come to de-grasp. So, so yeah, you know, sort of come to sitting period or, you know, to retreat or kind of really grasped up, you know, just like, there's hardly anything left other than grasping. <laughs> so, and then gradually, gradually, gently and sometimes chaotically, uh, Maybe the grasping relax, relaxes, the belly relaxes, the mind relaxes, the breath comes a little more easily, and the grasping is uh, lessened. And maybe, again, at times this happens naturally from our mindfulness practice that so clearly highlights the the uh, importance and the helpfulness of noticing comings and goings, arisings and passings. Yeah, it's embedded in the mindfulness teachings. And so sometimes, you know, we may notice ourselves feeling a little better or a little lighter, like, hmm... And one of the causes, and one of the conditions for that is that we're a little more in harmony with this truth of impermanence. We may not have even noticed that or named it that, but something for you to, to check out, that actually when there's more ease, there's less grasping, you're like, oh, there's actually more of a sense of room for things to shift and some somewhat fade or sometimes cease and even realized oh you know and the things we came into the retreat or this talk or sit or it's like that have really got hold of us. You can feel them loosen their grip. Through the power of awareness and mindfulness of investigation and the other factors of awakening. Many, many ways, many ways of cultivating this perception and this understanding and so that it more and more infuses into our minds, into our hearts, into our way of being, way of relating to ourselves, to others, to the earth, releasing mind from grasping so that energy is more available for or, yeah, for what? Oh, for living, for loving. So yesterday, some of you may have heard, I shared some reflections and then a part of a guided meditation on from Joseph Goldstein called the Big Mind Meditation and I didn't 
don't think I mentioned it yesterday, but of course it is also, as well as being a wonderful way of enhancing and tuning into the quality of spaciousness, uh, spaciousness of mind, of heart, it is also a very powerful uh, teaching on noticing impermanence. So for those of you who are interested, you could hear that from yesterday or look in Joseph's section of Dharma Seed and there are his different versions of his of, of his big mind meditation. So I'm going to read you the last line that I shared yesterday from that meditation from Joseph Goldstein. There's nothing to do Nothing to be, nothing to have. Simply aware of sounds and sensations, thoughts and images all appearing and disappearing by themselves in the open emptiness of heart. In the open emptiness of mind. So I think spaciousness and uh, impermanence are wonderful kind of dancing partners, um, each supporting the other, noticing tuning into that aspect or quality of mind, of heart, of chitta, that is like space. And at the same time tuning into this sense of feeling into Tuning the interest to see if we can directly perceive in our immediate experience. Ah, can feel some change, changingness. And again, as with all practice, you know, it can take some patience. You're not forcing anything, but just beginning to sustain a sense of interest. And in different ways we can intentionally at times incline our uh, interest and in dhamma vichaya to, f- to feel into, to be aware of the changing nature of our experience and at very obvious levels or at very, very subtle levels. Mm. So many different ways, different 
aspects of experience. So I wanted to share a teaching from Ayakima. It's useful to remind ourselves in every waking moment that body, feelings, perceptions, mental formations and consciousness have no core substance, are all impermanent, changing from moment to moment. If we remain aware of the impermanence that exists, our difficulties seem far less important. So I notice sometimes if I know the response to this reflection, yeah, yeah, but if I let go of everything and then I'm never going to do anything and there are all these things that I really need to pay attention to and things I need to do and things I need to worry about and I really should be anxious about this because it's really terrible. Um, So it takes some real steadiness and again that commitment and that coming back to feel that sort of underlying sense of shifting. The elements or aspects of experience shifting, allow them to shift. And it always seems to me that any real wisdom or helpful thoughts are generally much more able to arise when the, there's a greater degree of openness to allowing our, you know, our subjective experience, allowing it to to to, to to be chain, chain, changeable, to, again, it already is, but it's just a sense of allowing that or relaxing into that, something like that. And of course, if it's unpleasant, perhaps having to, again, kind of just gently refrain from fixing or trying to fix. Like what happens if we just abide beginning to open to impermanence, change and and so again as with much of practice we have to come back with this is needs to be practiced again and again, again gently. So the mind gradually learns to be able to to do that with more and more of our experience. Holding gently and patiently those areas of our our experience that can feel very Yes, charged, stuck tight, not changing quickly enough. Mm. 
and really something to experiment with and, and, and see for your, yourself what happens when we really start to take care of this interest in seeing in each other, experiencing impermanence, and seeing what effect that has, you know, really kind of checking that out for ourselves because it doesn't, just thinking about it, it's not enough. So, um, from the Buddha, when seeing impermanence, the mind does not cling. When the mind does not cling, it is not agitated. When it is not agitated, it is close to Nibbana. So the, the great potential of, of, of this direct seeing, this perception... As is so often the case, is seeing a natural process. We don't have to make it happen. Another teaching that I love um, on this theme from Tsongkha Chamyong Kiense. If one knows that everything is impermanent, one does not grasp. And if one does not grasp, one will not think in terms of having or lacking. And therefore one lives fully. If one knows that everything is impermanent, one does not grasp. If one does not grasp, one will not think in terms of having or lacking, and therefore one lives fully. Perhaps, yeah, I find this a very rich reflection every time I return to it. Um, A sense of the really, this very... Seeing, seeing impermanence very closely is like there isn't anything to hold on to. So, um, seeing that there's a oh well, yeah, some sense of release at least at times, and then there's a sense of being given back to the fullness of life, you know, from the narrowness and the constriction of grasping. It's like when that's not happening, a sense of the fullness, the vastness of life is just right right here.
so again just pausing, noticing your body, your mind, your heart. Just noticing any effects from the practice, from the teachings. Noticing any grasping, any pushing away. Perhaps it's a very gentle invitation or suggestion to the to the body and the mind. Like it's okay, you can see you just relax a little bit. You can do it. Just it's it's okay, you can let go a little bit into the flow of life. And if it says, no, I can't, then, okay, it's fine, just when you're ready, we could do that. That can happen. You stay stuck as long as you want. And generosity and compassion and patience with you know, the seized up energy. So often that's what it really needs. I want to kind of shift mode slightly. We'll see how this goes. I hope we can, yeah, and as another way of practicing, another way of cultivating the perception of impermanence is the, the reflections on our mortality, which have been so poignantly brought to our attention recent events and the pandemic but these facts these truths have always been with us and the Buddha taught on them and encouraged frequently to reflect so I just want to spend a bit of time now kind of bringing those themes to mind and again just encouraging you to sit and just let the reflections arise and pass and to see what resonates helpfully in the heart and otherwise just let it let it float by without conflict, struggle or harm. So from Thich Nhat Hanh, his rendering of the five topics for frequent recollection. Breathing in and out, I am aware of the fact that I am of the nature to die. I cannot escape dying. I am of the nature to grow old. I cannot escape old age. I am of the nature to get sick. Because I have a body, 
I cannot escape sickness. Everything I cherish, treasure and cling to today, they will have to abandon one day. The only thing I can carry with me is the fruit of my own action. I cannot bring along with me anything else except the fruit of my actions in terms of thought, speech and bodily acts. And that's in Thich Nhat Hanh's book, No Death, No Fear. And often I give a whole talk on this, so if you're interested, you could find one of those on Dharma Seed. But just for now, just to spend a little time with this, the sense of how opening to the truth of things is, is a relieving, freeing, calming process. It's very helpful to keep in mind. And I remember first hearing one of the first times I heard this teaching many years ago at Gaia House. I I spent the whole rest of the evening and much of the night kind of in a great reactivity of anguish and all kinds of crying and weeping and sort of, yeah. <laughs> and not that that's wrong or bad, but... You know, it's actually, I hope you can get a sense of that, that it's a turning towards something that we're so conditioned to deny. That's so powerful in so many parts of um, the dominant culture in certainly the countries I've lived in. And this sort of sense of living with the... the the denial of these of these truths creates so much suffering, and whilst turning towards them and in really encountering them, contemplating them, it can feel challenging or do bring up different emotions, maybe you no know, fear or anger or other things. I think it is so much less suffering than living in denial which eats up our life energy in defensiveness and creates such limits on our capacity to live you know, joyfully, compassionately. And I, I'm sure you know, you, you know this. So these are always reminders, aren't they? Just reminders of what we, we already know. And whilst we can continue to be committed to caring for and protecting life, you know, our own and others and and the planets. It's somehow is this compassion and wisdom, isn't it, of doing it with that with that knowledge of the the, the nature the nature the nature of things to that are born to die, the nature of of life forms to experience disease. It's it's really to me an interesting exploration of somehow finding again maybe that sort of middle way where 
we're really finding our balance between sort of that openness to the truth of things and and compassion around how it how that affects us and when that concerns people and beings and planetary life that we that we love so much and have deep attachment to So many other wonderful um, versions of, of of these these five recollections, and uh, just I'll, I'll just share one, which is my own rendition, and it highlights the sense of this being a loving or caring or compassionate recollection. Right? It's not punitive. Um, it's not meant to depress you. It's it's offered out of compassion, kind of sobering, kind of waking up to yeah the the brevity and fleetingness of our life, and how actually enlivening that can be and freeing. Now, what what somehow that sense of really strengthening our wish to practice well, to awaken, to live well, to make the best use we can of our, you know, life and uh, whatever energy or gifts have been given to us, whatever um, opportunities are there for us. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is aging. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is vulnerable to illness. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body will die. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember that loss is part of life. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember to meet this moment with wisdom. So it brings us back to this moment that we're in, how to meet this moment with wisdom, compassion, I'm going to share a story that I love, which I hope I remember accurately enough. It's about uh, 
the great violinist Itzhak Perlman and how um, once he was giving a concert, playing a, a concerto with an orchestra and uh, he came onto the stage quite slowly because he he wore leg calipers um, to support his body due to the damage from polio. And so very, very slow process getting onto the stage and then getting to his chair and and then ping one of the strings on his violin broke now violins I hope I'm remembering accurately has four strings forgive me if it's five but anyway um, I think that doesn't spoil the story hopefully um and and so the, the story is really that he played the whole concerto with one string missing. That always touches me because it feels like, doesn't life so, so often feel like, certainly does for me, like playing with one string missing, you know, or more than one and what he said can you imagine the standing ovation he got afterwards he said you know sometimes it is the artist's task to find out how much music you can still make with what you have left So a couple of last things to offer. Firstly, a sense of uh, using a use of images or imagery can be so helpful, you know, as with poems and stories and, and memories and imagination to help us, again, as a way of cultivating the perception and understanding of impermanence. And so a sense of giving, giving ourselves back to nature, giving ourselves back to nature, knowing, allowing ourselves to be, to rejoin or to remember what we, what we already are, what we are part of inextricably part of what we belong to nature so this is from Wendell Berry the law that marries all things the cloud is free only to go with the wind the rain is free only in falling The water is free only in its gathering together, in its downward courses, in its rising into the air. In law, 
is rest. If you love the law, if you enter singing into it as water in its descent. So I'd like to close these reflections by offering a a chant or a song, a singing for you to be listening or joining in with if you know it. Um, This is from the Diamond Sutra, which is a Mahayana text, later uh, Buddhist text, but draws directly on images that the Buddha offered in early texts, images to, again, help us to, to tune into, to recognize the empty, flowing, fleeting nature of our existence. So I'll sing this a few times and then we'll have a moment of silence and I'll ring the bell. Wishing you well, dear friends. Oh, you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop a bubble on a stream lightning in a summer cloud a phantom and a dream oh you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom and a dream. Oh, you should see this fleeting world. Like a dewdrop, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom and a dream. Oh, you should see this fleeting world. Like a dewdrop, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom and a dream. Oh, you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop.
a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom and a dream. Oh, you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop. A bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom and a dream.